We have the story in the gospel of two young people whose lives were changed dramatically and who probably, had they been given the option, would not have chosen to do what they did. I want you to listen to the story, and I want you to listen very carefully for nuances about Joseph. Because in the first chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 18 and reading through verse 25, we have the account of Joseph's call to be the father, though not physically, of the Savior. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Dear ones, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We do not live by bread alone. I tried to get that right. We are so used to coming to the Christmas season with this idyllic scene in our minds. We see the creche, we see the manger scenes, we see the wise men and we see the shepherds, and we get all excited about the fact that angels came and spoke to common ordinary people about the birth of this Son of God, this Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem of Judea. We get all excited about those kinds of things, and we forget that behind the scenes, All kinds of other dynamics are playing out, and we often miss them. Let me just use an illustration. We have all been to a lovely banquet. We sit down, table is finely set, dinner is absolutely spectacular. We eat it and we enjoy it, and we have absolutely no idea what went on back in the kitchen, and we have no idea about the people who are going to have to clean up after us when we're done. Because behind every great event, there are unfolding stories that are taking place. Karl Marx once made the observation that religion is the opiate of the masses, because in his mind, religion was a means of pacifying, of kind of trying to calm the the emotional uh, strain of living. Karl Marx believed that if people were religious, they wouldn't be revolutionary, and of course his goal was revolution. But Karl Marx never understood the reality of an encounter with God. We have in our text here these words, and she shall give birth to a son, and you shall name him 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. But behind those words is the prophet Isaiah, who prophesies in chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And we have heard that story so many times that we have completely papered over what it must have meant. Last week, Ryan talked with you about Mary and her encounter with the angel. Think about it for just a moment. Mary is just barely nubile. In those days, a woman became married at the point where she began her menses. 13, 14, 15 years old? We don't know. We're not told. But the promise of Mary to be married to Joseph had taken place years before as the parents had arranged that those two would come together. And Joseph had waited and been excited and longed for the day when Mary would finally be ready to become his wife. And then after all of that preparation, there comes this moment where Mary has a visit from an angel and the angel says, Mary, you're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son and you're to call his name Jesus. And Mary's response is, how is this going to happen? Because I have, I have not known a man. And the angel says, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that which is born in your, that which is in your womb will be called the Son of God. Mary, in obedience, simply says, well, I guess if I'd been confronted by an angel, I'd probably say, all right, whatever you say. But, but she said, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And now what does she have to do? Now she has to go and she has to tell Joseph that she had an angel appear to her. I want you to know, dear ones, angels were no more common in Nazareth than they are on the streets of Bozeman. Think about it for a moment. Think about what it would be like to be Joseph at that moment. Because at the point where Mary comes to him, they had already been betrothed. Now, we need to understand what was going on in that culture because our culture is completely different. We have an engagement party. People get ready to be married. The wedding comes. We sign the licenses. Everybody goes home, and they live happily ever after. At least we hope they do. In Israeli times, in biblical times, the betrothal was the moment where they signed the documents. They were actually married at that point in terms of the legal standing before the law. It was at that point that the dowry was granted. It was in that moment that they became husband and wife without consummating their marriage. They were brought together in betrothal so that they could be seen in public as they prepared the home that was going to become theirs. And then, when the moment came, it was all up to the bridegroom. 
I know that there were brides who would die to have this be a reality. It was all up to the bridegroom when the, when the wedding was going to take, when the marriage was going to take place, because it was not a ceremony. It was simply a party. The groom would go and would find the bride at her parents' house, would go late in the afternoon, perhaps even in the evening, and would bring her by the hand to their home where they would consummate their relationship and all of the people around them would party. So you have the wedding that lasts for like seven days. But it's a party. It's not the legal requirements. All of that had taken place. Mary and Joseph had already signed the document. The dowry had been conveyed. Everything was ready to go for their wedding, for their marriage. And Mary comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, I'm with child. Now put yourself into Joseph's position for just a minute. Would you believe a story where your bride says to you, listen, an angel came to me and said I was going to bear a child. Joseph believed Mary had been unfaithful. And the amazing thing about this text is that God let Joseph dangle in that lack of knowing until he made the wrong decision. Because he was a just man, the scripture says, he decided to put her away, to divorce her quietly. Do you know why? Because he still loved her. And if he had gone and done what the law required, he would have gone to the elders of the village and told them that Mary had committed adultery and she would have been stoned to death and he couldn't stand the thought of that happening to her. And so he decided to put her away quietly so that she wouldn't be killed. And then an angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. You are to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Dear ones, we live in a culture that believes that if you follow Jesus, everything is going to fall into place. And there's anybody in this room here today who follows Jesus who knows that that's not the truth. It's simply not true. To be called of God is to be called into a state of obedience. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I have walked with the Lord now 67 years. In all of those years, not once has a conversation with my God begun, Bill, how would you like? When my son was in the Navy, he got orders to move from San Diego to Everett, Washington. And we were talking about that, and he said, this is not an option, Dad. That's why they call them orders. Um, 
But God can be very inconvenient. And for Joseph, it was very inconvenient. But I'm grateful for this story. Do you know why? I'm grateful because it reveals things to us about our walk with the Lord. So often we feel that if we walk, just walk with the Lord, everything is going to fall into place for us. And eventually it does, but it doesn't always start that way. God does not ask our permission. A number of years ago, Ruth and I had just finished um, an assignment in Oceanside, California. It's down by San Diego. Uh, warm weather. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, lovely place. Um, I'd been contacted by a church up in Long Beach uh, about being their uh, interim pastor. And we went up to visit them um, one afternoon and evening. And while we were in contact with this church in Long Beach, we had also been contacted by a church in Stillwater, Minnesota. And they sent us uh, tickets and said, would you come and meet with our committee? And I told my wife, I said, well, we might as well go. They're paying our way. Maybe I can, maybe I can help them figure out what it is they want to do. I had no intention of leaving Southern California for Minnesota, none at all. Um, so we get on the plane in the morning. We fly across the country, land in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Two people from the committee pick us up. We're driving out to the, to, to the church in, uh, in Stillwater. And about 30 minutes into that drive, I went, oh, no. <laughs> because I realized that the Lord was moving my spirit to call me not to Long Beach, but to Stillwater. And as I wrestled with that, I looked up at the Lord and I said, I have only one word for you. February. <laughs> he was not impressed. We actually moved to Stillwater, Minnesota. Our first winter there was the fifth coldest winter they ever recorded. We froze to death. It was, it, it was really something else. But I had a vision that brought me to that place. I had a meeting with a committee that night, and they said, they sent me out into the soundproof booth. We had met for about an hour and a half visiting. They sent me into the soundproof booth, right? And about five minutes later, they called us back in and said, well, we've decided we'd like you to come and be our interim pastor. <laughs> like, do you have an answer for us right now? And I said, well, I don't really have an answer for you now. It's been a long day. We've flown from California. Give us the night. I'd like to, I'd like to pray about it. And um, I'll, I think I'll have an answer for you in the morning. So we get to bed. I fall asleep. Two o'clock in the morning, I wake up. I'm, and as I wake up, there's a song playing in my head. And the song is, Jesus, you are my portion in this life. And you are my hope and my desire. And I love you. I thought, well, that's pretty good. And then all of a sudden, just like, out of nowhere, a movie started playing in my head. Not a Hollywood movie. A movie of an experience that we had had. Our son, the older of our two boys, is a graduate of the Naval Academy. When he finished his plebe summer, uh, which is uh, hell week for, for a whole summer long, 
Um, we went back, we see our son, his head is shorn. Uh, he's, every, everything about him has changed because he's now in the military. But one of the activities they had for us when we were there was to ride a launch from the seawall at the academy out into um, Chesapeake Bay, where anchored out in the middle of the bay was a submarine tender, Los Angeles-class submarine nested next to it. And uh, there's a floating dock at the uh, base of the ladder to uh, come, up to the, come up to the ship. Well, my son is in the Navy now, so I'm walking up behind him. We get up to the... Uh, landing at the, uh, the top of the ladder, and the quartermaster is there. My son, being in the Navy now, has to request permission to come aboard. So he goes, permission to come aboard, sir. And the quartermaster, seeing the proud father in the back, looks over, smiles at me, and goes, permission granted, midshipman. This is the movie that's playing in my head. It stops. I said, all right, Lord, this must have some significance. So I rolled over on my back in my bed and I saluted and I said, permission to receive the call, sir. And I saw the Lord salute. I would not want to go back to Minnesota. Did I mention we live in Florida now? But because we went to Minnesota, the Lord knew something I didn't know. The Lord knew that in Minnesota I would meet a student who would introduce me to a professor who became my mentor and the one who granted me the doctorate that brought me an awareness of the kind of ministry which I am now privileged to share with you today. It wouldn't have happened in Long Beach. For Mary and Joseph, it wouldn't have happened without them either. What did they have to do? And for every one of us sitting here today, the Lord's call on our lives is the call to listen, to hear, to obey, and then to discover Emmanuel, God with us. Not just blessing, his presence. May God make that a reality for us today. Let's pray.